Welcome to another message from Ron Heitman, lead pastor at Evangel Church. It is our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information on Evangel Church, visit us at evangelchurch.cc. We just sang a moment ago, I, I looked at the words, how I want to give you my life. And you know what? The Lord has done so much for us. This is an opportunity as a part of Evangel Church that we say, Lord, we want to continue our worship and we want to give to you. There's different ways you can give by giving in person, by the envelopes that are in your your program today, as well as there's opportunities online or automated, or you can even mail your, your offerings in. But we just want you to know that we see this as a part of our worship in dedicating our lives to him. Isn't it wonderful to know we can entrust back to God what he's given to us and blessed us with. So that's why we worship together today. Jesus, we give our lives to you as we sing. It's more than just words in a, in a song. But God, we do. We offer ourselves today as, as this offering. Please, God, receive our lives. But also, Lord, as we bring our gifts and our offerings, our tithe, a percentage, God, of what you've entrusted us, now, Lord, we give it back to you and say, Lord, please use it to touch other people's lives for Jesus Christ. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. As they're starting to take the offering before we run the video, let me tell you a quick little story. Last week, we asked you to, to be able to pray for someone in small groups, for someone you would like to give, to, uh, give their lives to Christ. This week, I had an opportunity to be with a couple in our church that have a business in the city, and we went down and, and just prayed together with them. And while we were there, a young man on their staff Ask if he could talk with me. He learned that I was a pastor. And as we were talking together, just he and I, I felt that urgency to ask him if he'd like to give his life to Jesus. And he said, yes, I would. And we prayed together. And I, I, we had a Bible there for him. And this couple gave him a Bible. And, and we showed him how to read his Bible. It was really encouraging. But what was really neat was somebody, uh, well, Mike called me this week. and said, Pastor, you know, remember last Sunday when we gathered in little groups and said, Let's pray for someone that we would like to give our, our, their lives to Christ. He said, Dominic was the person that I asked the Lord that he would give his life to Christ. Do you realize in a matter of like three days, God answered that prayer? How many of you know God will answer our prayers? Amen? Praise the Lord. So today we begin a new series entitled Margin. And you're thinking, what in the world are you talking about? I love that song, actually. That intro was kind of fun. But uh, today we want to talk about and define what is margin in our lives. This idea is the reality that when margin decreases, our stress increases. And it also means that when our margin decreases, so does our relational intimacy decrease. So let me ask you a couple questions here. How many of you ever feel like there's a little bit of stress in your life? Let me see your hands. <laughs> never like, yes, let me raise my hand, my other hand, and my foot because I feel stress. This week, it was, uh, for whatever reason, my turn to let the dog in from her leash out in the backyard. So this nemesis of mine, this 60-pound English bulldog that I believe is genuinely psychotic, okay, I decide to go out and take her leash off her and let her back in the house. When I take the leash off, instead of coming in like she's supposed to, she takes off running. Evidently, the neighbor's cat must have been in the yard while she was on her leash, and she was on a mission, she takes off around the house, and so here I go trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to chase this dog, okay? So I turn around, I walk up the side sidewalk, and I see her dart around into the front yard of my neighbor's, and then I go, I, I get to the front edge of my neighbor's house, and I look, and I see the cat and the dog staring down each other. I'm like, something's going to happen anytime now, okay? But for whatever reason, the dog moves, and the cat's just standing there and doesn't do a thing. So I'm like, what, where did the dog go? So is she in the bushes in the front yard? Where did she go? And then I walked a little further and looked, and I thought, oh, no. The door of my neighbor's house was open. <laughs> I immediately walked to the front of my neighbor's house, and sure enough, the door was open. There was no English bulldog. She had gone in the house and somehow wiggled her way around the door. And some, I don't know why I'm wiggling myself right there, but I'm sorry about that. Uh, but somehow pushed the door closed. And I'm standing outside like this. I'm like, oh, no. 
I don't need this in my life. They have two little dogs. They're some of my neighbors. And you hear the little ones, the yapper of the neighborhood. You know what I'm talking about? And, and this little bitty nothing kind of dog, just kind of a cat on steroids. But anyway, it's just going nuts in the house. Just And all of a sudden, I hear my, my uh, big concrete driver neighbor yell out, Donna, you got to come see this. And, then, and she's yelling from the other end of the house, what? And I can hear this from the front uh, porch, okay? And, and he goes, come here, daughter, you got to see this. And he's laughing, and all of a sudden, she, you, she evidently was upstairs in the house. And all of a sudden, I hear this huge war hoop of, from her, and she starts laughing. And all of a sudden, a couple minutes later, the door opens, and there's my crazy bulldog, Okay. He just had, or she had uh, the run of the house for a couple minutes with a couple of her neighbor friends, okay? But I'm thinking, I know how to get rid of this stress, but except my family won't let me do it, okay? But uh, uh, the reality is we all have stress in our lives. And uh, this series is going to address a little bit of that. But also, ever since the economy really was impacted back in 2008, how many of you have felt that little bit of, 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 of tension in your finances in the sense that there's extra stress, where there once maybe wasn't, but now it just seems to be a little tighter than normal? Well, that's a part of margin in our lives. It's a reality. It's a part of what we do. How many of you would say that uh, I really wish that I had either more time for myself or I wish I really had more time to spend with those people that I love. How many of you would agree to that and say, yeah, there's times I wish I had more time for myself or more time to spend with people that obviously I care so much about. It's because of margin in our lives that we sometimes struggle with this. Why, why do we feel so stressed? Why do we feel this need to have more time for ourselves and for those that we love? It's because our culture pushes us to the limit. We live in a world city of 9 million plus around the area. We get into rush hour. We're trying to get to our commutes or whatever and do this, do that, and stop on the way. We're feeling driven constantly all the time. The fact is that we want to accomplish more. We want to do more. We want to conquer more. And all of a sudden, we get into this mindset of more is always better. I would argue this this morning. Most of us are living at an unbiblical and unsustainable pace. Think about that. Are we living at an unbiblical and unsustainable pace? It's insane what is normal today. Even in the kids' lives, even in the little bitty guys' lives, seven and eight years old, their schedule is crazy. At school, they come home and they've got homework galore. Any moms and dads know exactly what I'm talking about, trying to keep up with the homework and the assignments, and then it's not unusual for a kid to have four or five different uh, appointments through the week, and then there's a weekend, and they're running here, and they're running there. We literally feel the stress of it. We literally uh, understand that their schedules now impose upon us our own stress because of our kids' schedules. And if you ask somebody today, are you really enjoying your life? Most people would say, no, and I don't have time to talk about it. We'll deal with this later. It's really true. I got to go. I got to go get the next thing done. People have very little margin for error today in their lives, in major portions of their life. Most people have no margin for the important things in life. Some of me may be saying, but pastor, give us a little more on this idea of margin. What do you mean? Here's a working definition for our series this month. Margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. Andy Stanley made that quote, and it got Craig Rochelle really thinking about this theme as well. And he says, his definition is, it's the difference between what you have and what you need. Think about that. The difference between what you have and what you need. If you have 30 minutes to get somewhere and it takes 20 minutes to be at that spot, what's your margin? You have 10 minutes of margin. If you have $100 and you have $80 worth of bills, you have $20 of margin. It's the difference between what you have and what you need. How does that play out? How does margin play out in our everyday lives? Here's, here's some examples. Margin would be showing up maybe five or ten minutes early to a meeting 
so you're not stressed all the time. Versus me sometimes when I'm driving down maybe the Elgin Harry Expressway and I'm trying to rush and hurry and I can feel the sweat hitting the forehead because I'm trying to get there and I'm trying to squeeze that 10-pound turkey in a 5-pound bag of my schedule. Trying to hurry and rush. Margin financially would be maybe having money left over at the end of the month. Some of you say, what is that concept? Let me say it slower for you. It's having money left over at the end of the month. It's an incredible idea, isn't it? Great idea for some financial margin. Margin is having distance, listen to this, between you and temptation. That's applicable to all of us. A, A distance between you and temptation. Rather than being morally on the edge all the time, It's having some preset buffers in your life to keep you from stumbling into some life-destructive behavior. When we were uh, uh, parents of smaller kids and our kids were uh, wanting to be with us more, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about? Now that they're teenagers, like, okay, we're going, see you later, okay, see you, we'll see you hopefully on the weekend, okay? Uh, But when they were small, we used to go bowling a lot, just having fun family night together. And uh, the girls would have the little bumpers. You know what I'm talking about on the, in the, the gutters that had come up and they would just be able to throw in the bumpers and keep it, the ball down the lane. That's what we're talking, some kind of margin to help us get to what we really need to accomplish in our lives, what our real goals are. Uh, margin could also be having some emotional capacity to deal with problems. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about that? It's like when your kid is telling you something, they drop a bomb on you in regards to something that happens, and there's no emotional margin in your life, and all of a sudden, instead of being able to handle it and deal with it with some emotional margin, you immediately bump into this aggressive tone and mode, and you, you blow up at them, because there's not a margin, even emotionally, in your life to deal with some of those struggles. Margin could be having, are you ready for this, three or four nights a week that you have totally open in your schedule. So I'm like, what? What is that? Yeah, literally, it's an emotional uh, uh, effort to make an intentional part of your scheduling of your margin that you would have open nights where you can have some extra time. Or maybe in the financial world, extra money where you could do things to bless people or go on a missions trip like we were talking about just a moment ago or bless ministries that you love. Margin could be simply having time to think or to reflect, to meditate or dream about something. Margin could be having significant time with God, not this quick, God bless this meal and oh, thank you, God, give me a good day and that's it but rather having significant time meditating on God's word and enjoying his presence. Simply put, margin is what most of us do not have. If we were really honest with ourselves, we live with very, very little margin. So let's look at the scripture today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is a great story about two different people being with Jesus and one decided she didn't have margin. The other created margin and experienced something that could never be taken away from her. So this is what it says in this story with Mary and Martha and Jesus. It says this in verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Okay, let's pause just a second. Let's think about this. If I said, hey, Jesus has shown up, he's over in the mall, and he's going to come to your house immediately following service today, what would that make you feel like? Some of you would want to rush home and dodge out of the message right now so you could make the preparations like Martha was dealing with. That's what she did. The reality is, this is what all of us feel, though, in certain times of our life. Here's what's interesting about this story with Jesus. Both people had the exact same opportunity. Do you get that? They both, Mary and Martha, had the exact same opportunity 
to be with Jesus. Mary created a moment. She could have done a lot of things. She could have done some laundry. She could have gone and got some groceries, some more groceries. She could have paid the bills. I'm sure she had her to-do list like every one of us have something that we could always do. But she created a moment. For the moment, she said, I'm not going to do that. What everybody else believes I need to be doing, I'm going to stop and I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to embrace this moment and I'm going to enjoy the Lord. Martha, on the other side, or the other hand, was like many of us. She was distracted. She was wigging out. She was just going crazy for a moment, like, I got to do this and I got to do that. I got to make all this happen. What's interesting to me is this. She was not distracted by something that was evil or something that was bad. She was not distracted by something sinful. She was actually distracted by what some of us would say was a practical thing, a good thing. In fact, most of us would have probably been distracted by the very same thing. She's thinking, okay, Jesus is coming to the house He's here. Everything's got to be just perfect. And the rumor is he's the son of God. It's really got to be great. She's pulling out the best china. She's making sure all the candles and all the aroma senses are just perfect in all the house. She's making sure that the toilet paper matches the shower curtain, okay? She's even folding down the little edges of the toilet paper so it all comes to the little point like the nice hotels, okay? She's putting the Jewish chocolate on the pillow kind of deal. She's making sure everything is absolutely perfect. All of us would identify with that. But she was distracted with good things from the best thing. If you forget everything else I say today, I want you to remember this. If Satan, the enemy of our souls, our spiritual enemy, cannot make us really, really bad, he will make us really, really busy. Do you hear what I'm saying? If he can't make us really, really bad, if he knows there's too much uh, of the Lord's grip on our lives and we have a hold of Jesus, he will settle in making us so busy we're distracted by the things of this world and we don't enjoy the presence of the Lord. We become so busy at doing lesser things that we miss out on the most important things and we're distracted from the very best Some of you may can identify if you have younger kids, you're at home maybe on your day off, maybe it's on the weekend and you wake up and you think, oh, I really need to get this done for the office or something and you grab your computer and you start smoking away on the keys, you know, just going at trying to get it done. You know, you're you're on your day off but you're supposed to be relaxing and everything and all of a sudden one of your kids come up and says, come on dad, let's wrestle. Come on mom, let's play. Come on, you want some of this? You're like... You want to say, don't they realize? You don't say it out loud, but don't you see that I'm busy? This is so important. And all of a sudden you say, okay, okay, I'll be there in just a second. Um, Dad's really busy right now, but it, I'll get right to you. And just give me, give me five minutes and I'll be right with you. We'll play. And five minutes turns to 10 minutes and 10 minutes turns to 20 minutes. And you wrap up and you go look for your kid and they're already embracing something totally different. And they don't have time for you right then. And all of a sudden you feel God slap you upside the head and say, you fathead, you missed the best thing. You missed the best thing for something that wasn't a bad thing. It was maybe even a good thing, but you missed the opportunity that you should have had. Because there's no margin in our lives. So many of us are consumed, obsessed, and even possessed with accomplishing the urgent and what we think is important while we're missing out on the most important things in life. You see, Mary and Martha, they're in this situation, and it's, it's kind of actually funny because as you read on in the story, verse 40, you see Martha coming, running to Jesus, and she asks, Jesus, Listen to this. Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tamara, is that our house? Is that our two daughters having conversation here? Don't you care, Jesus? She's she's making me do all this by myself. Tell her to help me. 
I mean, she is coming to Jesus himself for help. Here's what's unique about that. Look at Martha's plea to Jesus. She is absolutely convinced that what she was doing was the correct thing. She believed in all that extra preparation for Jesus to be in the house, that that was the important, important, important thing to get done. Jesus, take my side. I'm doing something important here. Here's lies the, the big challenge for me, Pastor Keith, this week. This week, next week, for, for the four weeks of this series, here's my biggest challenge. In teaching this series a message on margin, most of you are convinced already that the way you're living is necessary. You have that Martha perspective that what I'm doing is not evil, it's not sinful, but what you're thinking is, this is the way it is. This is the way life makes it like for me. We have to live this way. Busy, busy. Success is keeping us busy and, and more is better. You're convinced with everything in you that what truly matters is that it's completely necessary to be successful in the world. And everybody is doing this and it's okay for me to do this too. We completely forget what the Bible says when it says broad is the road and wide is the path that leads to destruction. And it goes on to say, and many people are on it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And very few people find it. The fact that there's a, a scripture in, in Romans 12 verse 2 that Paul's trying to say something to us. He says, don't be conformed to this world. When everybody else is saying, oh, you got to do it this way. This is just the way life is. This is Chicago. It's the Chicago way. We've got to be this way. If you're going to get ahead in life, you just got to be boom, 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 boom all the time. Paul's saying, don't be conformed. Don't do it the way the world's telling you to do it. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. We're actually told that we're not to be like everyone else in God's word. And he's telling us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So in these next four weeks, we've got to pray, God, do something supernatural in our minds. Because we're not doing bad stuff, but we could be keeping ourselves from the best stuff. That we can't define what that good and pleasing and perfect will of God is because our minds haven't been transformed. We're going to talk about some stuff this next week. It's going to make some of you maybe frustrated. Maybe some of you are thinking, well, okay, I can maybe get into this a little bit. Maybe I should make some minor changes. Well, you know what? I think you're brighter than that. I think you're all smarter than that. I think enough of you as intelligent people, if you knew that there were some minor changes in your life that you could adjust and tweak a little bit, the dials and everything, you had already made those minor changes because you're sharp, you're smart people. But these aren't, we're not talking about minor changes. We're talking about some drastic changes that we've got to do and see life differently. And God's got to help us to understand it. The way most of us are doing life is completely contrary to what God has planned for our lives. Jesus, tell her to help me. This is the way it should be. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Your production mindset has missed this moment to be in my presence. Luke 10, verses 41, 42, look at Jesus' response to Martha when she says this about have her help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Here's what you have to understand. The choice is yours. And you've got to, you're going to be tempted in this, this series to fight back a little bit. You're going to wonder, well, Pastor Ron, what do you know? You only work one day a week. All you do is get up there and talk for a few minutes, and it's actually longer than all of us would really prefer, okay? You know, what do you know about all this stuff, okay? That's the truth. It's amazing how 
in the first service, there were times that there was maybe some laughters and some chuckles in it. But when you, when you say something that's really genuinely true, it's like a blanket of silence across the room. Not so different from second service. Because you're hit with truth. You know that this merry-go-around is going on and on and on. It's going crazy faster than it's supposed to. And you're like, how do I get off of this? God's got to help us over these next couple of weeks. We've got to pray the Lord will do something in our lives. What happens when we live a marginless life? What happens when margin decreases? Here's the two big things you need to know today. One, when margin decreases, your stress increases. Say it with me. When margin decreases, stress increases. Say it one more time. When margin decreases, stress increases. When you're running late, your margin decreases. What happens? Ooh, the stress just goes crazy. Some of you on your way to church today, somebody didn't set the alarm and the one kid's not ready and you're trying to dress him on the way to church, man, trying to pull his socks and shoes on. And you're reaching over the front seat in there and somebody's saying, but it wasn't my fault, it was his fault. And here you're trying to come to, to hear God speak to you in this peaceful, wonderful place. You come rushing in and you're like, I told you if you'd have been there, we'd have been on time. And you're like, oh, praise the Lord, how you doing, brother? Good to see you. Isn't it great to be in the house of God today? You sit down and say, we missed the whole first song because of you. It's because you're just busy. Crazy busy. It's what happens in all of our lives. Some of you a while ago when I said, you said to somebody this morning, if you wouldn't have done that, we'd have been late. You Somebody got an elbow probably right there in the middle of church. It's not just with our schedules, but it's with our finances too. When financial margin, when it decreases, all of a sudden the stress increases. You spent what on what? You know that the number one argument between husband and wife is not about, you know, how they're going to spend their evening tonight, their free scheduled off night. No, the number one argument is finances. If you're single, it's, it's still, there's the same thing happens to you too. When that, that finance uh, margin decreases, you start feeling the stress. If something breaks, the car breaks down, or something in your house or home breaks down, you've got to replace it. There's stress, and you're like, oh, no, my margin is not there. The second thing that we realize, along with margin decreases, stress increases, is the second main theme today. As your margin decreases, your relational intimacy decreases those of you that are busy and frustrated you're challenged by that I need a seat right here so I could sit down and listen to my own message right now you're dealing with a person that does not have good margins all the time when it comes to planning himself rightly Yes, I'll take my time with the Lord and I'll do that, but there's too many times I'm stressing about trying to get more and more and more accomplished. So busy with the work of the Lord, if I'm not careful, I'll take away from the Lord of the work. Your mind rarely disengages from things that you think are important. You can be with somebody you love, but you're not really with them. You're present, but you're not at all present. Your mind is still running, and my wife is screaming silently, Amen. (laughs) You go on vacation, but you're really never on vacation. You're always connected to work. Something is still going on. Have you seen the family at the restaurant that have decided to go out and spend quality time together at the restaurant? One is emailing, one is texting, one is Twittering, one is Facebooking. No real relationship there. It's just distance. It's crazy. We're the big twits if we're thinking relationship is really happening. Your relational intimacy decreases, not just with people, but also with God. How many times do we run into people, you and me both, and you're just saying, hey, I haven't seen you at church lately. What is their response? Oh, we've been so busy. 
Or you talk to somebody, maybe in a little stronger conversation, a little deeper, more meaningful conversation with somebody, and, and maybe it's somebody you see here at church on a regular basis, and you say, so how's your relationship with the Lord going? And you say, well, you hear this, you, well, I haven't really been praying like I used to, and I really, I really haven't been spending time in the Word like I, I, I have in the past. I've just been so busy. Margins decrease, but so does relational intimacy with others and with God. Why is it that so many of us plan on slowing down one day, but we rarely never do? Why is it that so very few people uh, take the house that they cannot afford and sell it and downsize, creating a financial margin for themselves? Oh, no amens on that one this morning. But you're so stressed over finance all the time. But to think doing something radical, you're like, oh, no, we can't do that. Why is it that we say money doesn't make us happy, yet so many of us fight and scrape to get even more? Why is it that we don't radically cut back on our schedules to spend time with the children that we know at some point are going to be in our ho- out of our house soon? Why is it that some of us are constantly physically sick because we're stressed and we're going and going and going? Bottom line is because most of us really don't trust God fully. It's we do not have enough faith to really believe that God's on the throne and he will handle all the details. We don't really believe that, so we feel like we've got to handle all the details. We're afraid that if we're not going and going and going, we'll miss out on something out there, that elusive something that's going to be that final thing that's filling the void in our lives. Got to work harder. Got to make more money. Got to have that nicer. Got to have this. Got to be at this meeting. Got to make sure I make a good impression with everybody because they depend on me. Because if I don't, I'm going to miss out on that something that I'm longing for. Do you hear how insane that is? Do you hear that? Do you understand where I'm coming from? Does anybody believe what I'm saying is anywhere close to the truth today? Okay. Most of you make more money today than you've made in your entire lives, and yet you battle with more financial stress than you've ever had. Most of you have better opportunities to do great things, and yet you're more empty and more exhausted. Why? Why is that? It's because we're filling our lives with things that do not matter. In one word, idolatry. Ouch. Idolatry. We're elevating, listen to this, we are elevating good things to become supreme things. And God's saying, hey, choose the better thing. Got to be at a meeting so they'll think well of me because their, their opinion matters. And my whole self-worth hinges on what they think about me. You know what matters? It's what Jesus thinks about you. It's about what you have in this understanding that you are complete through Christ. Not through what you do or what somebody at work thinks about you. Please. Please know, we've got to have our kids involved in the best of all opportunities. God forbid we invest spiritually in our children because we know it's so important that they be the best flute players that ever have been on the planet. Insert whatever activities that your kids do in the flute. I know when I was a kid, I loved sports, and man, sports came close to being my God. Protect us. Protect us as kids. Protect us as we get older. God, help us. Guard us. Got to have the perfect body, and there's nothing wrong with exercise. But your soul is not less valuable than your body. I've got to produce more and more and more because I'm so empty. It's idolatry. It's killing marriages. It's killing family. It's causing people to hurt so bad. It's not what God intended. It's just not what God intended. So we're going to have a series that's a come-to-Jesus meeting, okay? You say, what's a come-to-Jesus meeting, Pastor? The definition of a come-to-Jesus meeting, you can look that up on the Internet. That's amazing. 
It means a meeting with some cold hard truth will be revealed. And that's what this series is all about, a come to Jesus meeting. In the next few weeks, I'm going to challenge you and push you like I've never challenged or pushed you before to make some changes in your life. Not minor ones, some major ones. Sad though it may be, some of you won't change. You've done this so long now, in the mode that you are, you'll continue being hectic in your life. And it's just going to drive you fragile fragile because of that. But some of you are going to get it. Some of you are going to see it, and you're going to feel it, and it's going to change your life because you're going to do things according to the rhythm of God's grace, and it's going to be an awesome change in your life. You're going to choose not what is just good, but you're going to choose what is best. And God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You're not going to have regrets. You're going to enjoy what God has in store for you. Listen, if you want to really see what a come to Jesus meeting is, look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Jesus said, say it with me, come to me. Say it again, come to me. Say it a third time, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened. Why would the Lord tell us that? Because the same kind of craziness was happening in his day, and he knew that we would be here today, and we would need to hear the exact same thing. All of us that are weary and heavy burdened, Jesus says, let's have a come to Jesus meeting. Come to me. Let me add a few Ron's words, the Ron version of that. Come to me, all you who are stressed out, overwhelmed, can't get it all done. Come to me, single parents who are about to fall apart. Come to me, business guy who feels like you're going to lose it all. Come to me, mom who has no margin for herself. Come to me, those who are overwhelmed and feel insignificant if they're not busy all of the time. Come to me, and Jesus says, what will I give you? He said, I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. That's what I want to do over this series. I want us to learn from the Lord. I want to learn from the Lord. Remember, I'm sitting uh, symbolically or, or practically or even just uh, hypothetically here in a seat listening to this. God, help me create margin for my life too. We've got to learn from the Lord what Jesus is saying. And he goes on to say, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And the Bible says we'll find something. Look at what it says we'll find. You will find what? Rest for your souls. Let that phrase sink in for a moment. Rest for your souls. Peace. Assurance. Confidence. Tranquility. Rest for your souls. A lot of us, we don't even know what rest is. Some of you say, I'm going to take a vacation. So you go on a vacation, what do you do? You skydive, you, you wave runner, you go like crazy, you shop till you drop, and you spend your six days so busy that when you come back, what do you say in your house? I need to take a vacation from my vacation. Or if you're like me, you take those six days off and you take the first three days to unwind and then you realize, oh goodness, I only have three days left. So you spend the last three days of your vacation winding back up. You don't even know what rest is. We don't because our culture says this is the way to do it. God has a different plan for us. Those of you that are not married, it's interesting how sometimes you can fall victims to this the most. You feel like, if, if I don't have something on my schedule, then I must be insignificant. I must be a loser. I, I've got to have something all the time, or else there must be something wrong with me. Friend, let me tell you, that's sick. That's not healthy. That you think that you're not all you should be. If you have some margin in your life, that you have a restful evening, you think that you're not good enough for other people because you're by yourself a night and you can't enjoy that rest from the Lord. Moms, let me talk to you for just a moment. You say, I don't even have time for me. I never have time for me. And then if I would have time for me, if I took that time for me, I'd feel guilty. 
Do you see how insane that is? God wants you to have rest for your soul. Guys, we're driven by the effort. We've got to be respected by a hardcore effort to do more and make more and conquer more and achieve more because that's what you do, how you provide. That's how you're, you're tested by. What can I do to be more fulfilled? I've got to do more. We've got to guard ourselves from idolatry. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still. Say it with me. Be still and know that I am God. Say it one more time. Be still and know that I am God. Many of you don't know how to be still. I'm telling you, I'm coming hard on this because there's times in my life that I've really struggled at being still. So I'm giving you an assignment this week. Every day this week, we're going to start off small. But every day this week, you have a five-minute assignment to do absolutely nothing. That's almost freeing just hearing about that, isn't it? Absolutely nothing. Take five minutes. I don't care if you start immediately when you get home today. I had a couple wives tell me after church said, Pastor, if I give my husband five minutes, it's going to be an hour and a half because he's going to take a nap and I'll never be able to wake him up. Five minutes each day, I want you to think, God, give me margin. God, give me margin. Let me hit the brakes. Let me hit the brakes. And let me think of the Lord. Give me rest for my soul. Here's where we're going these next couple weeks. We've, we've talked about defining margin today. Next week, we're going to talk about scheduling margin third week we're going to do something on financial margin how to guard ourselves and help ourselves and then the last week listen to this we're going to talk about moral margin because all over the world people are falling into dangerous lifestyles of sin because there's no buffer between them and temptation and when our schedules are crushed listen to this and some of you know exactly what i'm talking about when our schedules are crushed and we're going crazy and finances are tight all of a sudden we're so stressed that so many people relieve themselves with sin. It's an escape, and it ends up totally destroying their lives. So our fourth week will be on moral margin. God wants to help us with that. Listen to what Isaiah 58, 11 says. As we seek him, this is what the scripture says, the Lord will guide you always. Listen, who's going to guide us? The culture? The world? No, the Lord will guide us. Then it says, he will satisfy your needs. Look at this interesting words here. In a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. When you think of a sun-scorched land, you're thinking parched. You're thinking thirsty. You're thinking empty. You're thinking barren. You're thinking dry. You're thinking struggling. But as the Lord guides us, he will satisfy your needs. Listen to that statement. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. I believe this month, the month of May, God's going to pour a refreshing into our hearts as we learn what margin is and do what God wants us to do. When you stop living according to the patterns of this world, but start living according to the rhythms of God's grace, you'll never be the same again. Now, I did something crazy here. I think you all should have a little envelope. How many of you have an envelope on your your chair? Okay, this is just this. This is, okay, it's time to open your secret weapon, okay? I want you, when stress hits your life, When schedule gets crazy and there's no margin, this is what you turn to, okay? It's like Christmas in here. Everybody's tearing open a package. It's awesome. How many found it? See what it says? Stress relief zone, bang head here, okay? All right? Now flip open a card, all right? 
When you realize the other side doesn't work, try this. Have a come to Jesus meeting. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Listen to me. In your bulletin, in your program today, there was an insert of notes, and I purposely put some questions to ask yourself during this series. And you know what some of you are thinking? I don't have time for that. How am I going to answer some questions? It's what our world is like. We don't have any margins. I'm telling you, guess what? It's your choice. It's not your boss's choice, not your spouse's choice, not your kid's choice. It's your choice. There's some questions to ask, really good ones. During the course of these four weeks, Ask those questions. Find out what are the things that are really stressing my life. Where am I failing in the area of margin? There's also, along with some questions, there's some steps to take too. And then lastly, there's some prayer tips. But I want you to be encouraged. Here's your main thing I'm wanting you to work on today. A five-minute challenge. Do nothing but rest in the Lord. Five minutes, rest in the Lord. He'll change your life, I promise you. Immediately after service, a lady came up to me and said, the first service said, Pastor, I'm that Martha. I've looked at that story all my life, and that's me. That's me. I'm always trying to take your details. And I'm realizing she is a wonderful, godly lady. That's who Martha was. It's not that you're doing anything sinful. You just may be missing something very great in your life by being so busy. And that's being in the presence of Jesus. Because how many of you know that's the best thing? The best thing in our lives. Would you bow your heads in a word of prayer? God, I know it's going to be tempting for people here this, this month to kind of push this one aside. But Lord... The reality is so great among us that our stress continues to increase and our our intimacy with the people we love and, of course, you most of all, it decreases when that stress goes up and those margins are are decreased. So, Lord, help us this, this month. In Jesus' name. You know what I'd like for this to do in the close of our service today? I'd like for those of you that would say, Pastor, this is a big thing to me, and I'm going to commit this month to praying for that in my life. How many of you would raise your hand and say, Pastor, this, this, this hits me. This is right on for me. I had one lady said, Pastor, you were preaching right at me today. Well, not on purpose. But here's what God wants to do. He wants to change us if we'll give him that opportunity. I'm going to ask for some of our prayer team to come forward because I know that there's probably a few of you that said, Pastor, I want to really be serious this. I want to commit this to prayer today with somebody. Could our, could our prayer team, some of our deacons and elders or some of those, would you just come forward, please? Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Come on forward. Just spread out here across the front. Rita, would you come on this side over here too, please, so we give some people prayer. Some of you need a point of contact today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Arul. Thanks. You need a point of contact just to say, will you pray and agree with me in prayer that God will help me get a hold of the margins of my life? So we're going to stand here. We're going to sing this chorus. And if some of you want to come and have a special prayer with somebody today, would you do that right now? You know, it was a moment like this just a few weeks ago that at the close of our service I asked if uh, there was anybody in the service that needed to give their lives to Christ. And it was somewhere in the back over here that a young man in his early 20s, I'd say 24, 25, raised his hand and came forward, gave his life to Christ. He told me afterwards, he said, Pastor, I grew up in this church and I just happened to be back in the area. And he said, when you were preaching and as people were singing, I was looking at all the chaos in my life. 
And he said, I realized what was missing. I realized that Jesus was missing in my life. Even though he'd grown up here and his life caused you know, him to go different paths and different locations, he was just stopping in. And you know what I ask you today? Is there anybody here today that says, Pastor, part of the reason why there's such chaos in my life is I need to make a decision to get Jesus back into my life. And I need to commit my life to Jesus Christ this morning. While maybe heads are bowed, if you'd be so kind to be considered someone else today, would you just slip up a hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus today. That's part of my chaos. That's part of my out of control feeling today is I haven't given my life to the Lord. If you're here today, just raise your hand. I want to have special prayer with you today. I don't see any hands today and so on. You know what I'm going to trust and believe? You can open your eyes and lift your heads. You know what I'm going to believe today? That we have a bunch of Mary and Marthas in this place that love Jesus and want to be with Jesus. That's why you're here today. But some of us tend to put good things maybe in place of those best things. So Lord, I pray for my friends in closing today. May we choose you over everything in our world. May we constantly make a constant effort, Lord, to choose to have margin in our life that gives us the time to embrace you and enjoy your presence every day of our lives and give us that moderation that we need, Lord. Give us that margin, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know what? I love this church. I love you guys. Have a great week in Lord. We'll see you next week as we continue with margins. This concludes the teaching. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened. For more information on Evangel Church, visit us at evangelchurch.cc.